you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm joined by the lovely Olivia Heyman. Hi. We are so happy to have you here today, and we want to make sure you know to find us doing our research at IG, and you can also find us over at enneagramandmarriage.com as well as reflectioncc.com. Today, we have a very exciting show topic, Males in the Enneagram. We have been doing some research on the guys and the ladies, and we're going to have a ladies show just after Women's Day in celebration of that March 8th, so we'll be posting that show on March 9th, and I can't wait for that women's show. But today the topic is our guys, husbands, males. We are trying to figure out and discern not only their Enneagram types, but more importantly, how they can relate healthily. So we'll be unpacking a lot of that today. And I've done a lot of research with you guys. So thank you in advance for the close to 200 males we surveyed that responded with their Enneagram types, as well as the females. I really was excited to see those numbers. They are so crazy. I was shocked when I saw them. I was going, oh my goodness. I did not. When you see the data compiled in front of you, it's so eye-opening because you have an idea of, oh, I think so-and-so is this type or, you know, whatever. And you kind of try and potentially lightly, you know, type them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you actually see everybody responding, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I did not expect this. Exactly. And it was less than 24 hours that we got those kinds of results. So we do know that we always have a little bit of a skew whenever you do research, you have to think about, are these people just Enneagram and marriage people? Is this a a skewed sample and that they're Instagram people? And we need to be careful that we don't say this is representative of people of all ages, some of whom don't even know their own type. But it is a good sample for us to talk about. So in a few minutes, we'll let you know the results. It's very interesting. And what's really cool is it correlates so closely with the research that's out there about men and emotions and relationships. And I see the same trends in my office and online. So it's extremely cool and also extremely sad for some of the things that I am so bummed about for guys that they have to deal with in this culture. So we're going to try to give you some help there. But first, I wanted to check in with Olivia on an interesting question to ask her when she takes a lot of our calls for our coaching and counseling, because we have counselors who work for us as well. Do you see more of a trend with males or females calling in for services? I hear females calling in the most. Usually, though, they're calling in for them and their spouse. So it is sort of like the guys are like, I don't really want to have to maybe call and like answer all these questions and Mm -hmm. whatever else is going to be included. Um, So I think the girls usually end up calling. And I mean, you know. I guess it's understandable, especially like, I mean, I know I'm like 22 and still don't like calling the doctor's office. So Mm -hmm. if it's that kind of a situation, maybe they're like, oh, here, honey, you know, go ahead and call them. Mm -hmm. But it's not usually as much for individual work as it is for couples work. So I'd say it's sort of a split situation. Yeah. And that's really what I've seen as well. It is skewed a little bit towards the female direction. I think we had about four or five intakes so far this week, and I think they were all females. Yeah. But actually last week and beyond. Beyond, I can tell you that sometimes a husband calls and says, I want you to get my wife in. I've had that happen quite a bit, not because they're trying to be patriarchal, but as we'll talk about today, sometimes they feel that permission for their wife to explore emotions that they might not feel the permission to do. And that might even be mutual where they their wife says, you know, I'm really upset with you. And if you get this started, then I will go. 
So there's so many possible reasons, but I did want to start there just in terms of relationship work. We're really hearing from females a little bit more, but we sense that there's really a dual role there, that people are really in a in a combined relationship there saying, hey, who are we more comfortable with doing the relationship work? And that leads right into just the current issue that's been going on for millennia with men, which is their almost not permission, not it's not an inability to process emotions, but there's this lack of permission felt in culture for men to process emotions. And it goes back really, really far. Interesting. I mean, it's sort of almost shifted now with, you know, feminism and this and that. It's almost kind of shifted to everybody feeling like they can't have emotions, which mm-hmm. is understandable because you don't, I mean, no one wants to sit there and break down in front of coworkers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? True. And I think there is a time and place where you need to hold it back because you're in a you know a professional setting or you're in public and you don't want to be down on the floor bawling your eyes mm-hmm. out. But I think we have seen across the board almost a lack of emotion and such a throw yourself into your work and don't don't even look at anything else. That's a really good preview of what's to come when we do our episode for women because she's right. There's a lot of women doing that as well now. And I was saddened when I saw those couple of hundred women with their answers because what people don't realize is even though we all do that fight or flight, the withdrawing aspect is really difficult on a marriage. And I've talked about it on this podcast before that when John Gottman, the number one marriage researcher in the country, talks about the fact that there are four horsemen of the apocalypse, one of them that's called called stonewalling, which is withdrawing, is the most dangerous of all because you're removing yourself entirely from the possibility of the relationship getting worked out with the emotions it needs. And John Gottman isn't even really an emotionally focused therapist, and he's saying that. So that's something to pay attention to. Whereas I did my master's degree specialty in emotionally focused couples therapy, which is the other big dog still out there, and that one is focused in on emotions. So that theory even more says we need our emotions. So it's a little different from Enneagram work. And I wanted to contrast that and compare it a bit with you guys before we tell you the different type findings, because I wanted you guys to have a sense before of just marriage research at large. It's so important to bring that into any Enneagram conversation so that we don't just say we're, there's nine types and they're all the same and you're healthy in your type. But really, there's work to be done in each type in a variety of ways. And those who have a withdrawing issue do have to take a little extra look here and we can all swing in that direction. I can be as a seven, somebody who's so far into my five that I've withdrawn. So I'm not just speaking to the fours, fives and nines out there when I say the work is showing us that we all have to pay attention if we have any propensity at all for withdrawing to see why I'm withdrawing and what I can do about it. Now, would this also come into play with subtypes? Because I feel like if you're going to be a social subtype, would you be maybe more prone to withdrawing? But no, no I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> would you not be prone to withdrawing because you are social? It could be that. But if you're a social five, for instance, you may enjoy your groups and you may even have a six wing where you really feel comfortable in your groups and you're part of the Democratic or Republican Party and you're really big into this and you follow the news, but you're doing it all from the comfort of your own home. So there you are as best as you can as a five socializing and going out and doing things in your rhythms and fives like their routines. So then they're going home to withdrawal and they could still be doing the same thing. So I would say with some types, though, it's a little less likely. But I think that that's another interesting point you're making is 
are subtypes part of this? And yes, put it into the equation, but I do want you to really pay attention to your leanings. Otherwise, what are your types? Where are you heading to when you're withdrawing? And are you doing your work? Because as I was saying, what's so sad is that men have been given permission and culture to have just really two emotions, anger and lust. And lust isn't even a primary emotion, but it's mainly anger. And anger is not even a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. So it's kind of sad because men don't have as much access to their primary emotions because they've been hearing from culture, from dads, from grandfathers, from even Homer Simpson, um, things like you can't cry. It's not okay. It's not safe. And I thought that was kind of a thing of the past. But when I really did the research, looked at the Enneagram types, and also just listened a little harder and leaned in to find out with my clients that are male, even the ones that are just above Gen Z, 22 and under, even the ones that are in their 20s and 30s, they're still dealing with this. They don't feel the permission to express their emotions. Wow. Is that something that they say is happening for them both in private life and public? Or is it just, you know, I don't feel like I can publicly express emotions? Or do you see kind of a trend? I do. And I do try to dig deep. And most of them say, actually, this started before I can remember. And they'll tell me stories about their youngest years. And they've had the same kinds of little T trauma that most people have had. I'm not saying that they have had all extreme cases of trauma. Um, I did wonder about that when I met with a lot of people who were within the withdrawing stance. Did you all have major trauma? Because when you're a withdrawer, you're really, like I said, that's a really big deal in marriage because it pushes you far away from the other person. With the pursuer distancer cycle, they're the distancer and they have more power and yet they're not going to reach in and try to do a turning towards behavior. And there's so many things I could go into in marriage theory that I won't bore you guys with. But I will say that it's really fascinating to think about how this isn't all about trauma. This is about culture. So we as a culture, and especially as women of culture, need to be the ones to lead our guys into this dynamic of safe feelings work. And how you can do that is you can express, and especially I know it's harder when you're a woman who does this too, as Olivia was saying, but how you can do that otherwise is best as you can, try not to come from a judgmental stance with your mate and try to really say as best as I can, I'm just going to look at you and be in your space with you and listen to you when you tell me about your anger. Because with that being the primary emotion males have access to, even though it's not a primary emotion, it's theirs. I think what's important is that you you sit with that for a bit versus withdrawing yourself or immediately taking a defensive posture, which is another one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and instead say, what's behind that anger? Because it's usually going to be fear or sadness or a combination of both. And if you listen long enough and hard enough, even though females have two and a half to three times as many words per day as males, if you're patient there, you can actually hear your male open up and start telling you in most cases, here's what I'm thinking or feeling. And even if they can't access it as a feeling, they usually say something like, When I ask that question, they say, yeah, it might be. It might be that I'm sad, but it's a might be. Right. There's no kind of copping up to it Mm -hmm. and being like, no, I am sad. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. I almost think it's also kind of having to do with, um, for instance, like we're in the thinking or the head triad. Mm -hmm. And so we're always going to kind of assess our emotions, I guess, before Mm -hmm. actually acknowledging, oh, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I look at it and I go, okay, is this 
re- like what is the reality here? Am I having emotions that don't correlate to the to the situation? Am I being overly, you know, one way or another? And so I wonder if even though they may not be in a in the thinking triad, um, if they're going through that same thing of is this really what I'm feeling or is it just that they don't want to say what they're feeling? If it's a five, they often don't connect with feelings at all. And again, as you go backwards with them and try to establish what's the root of that, most of the time they can't tell you. And I'm talking about very intelligent people, as we know fives are, yeah, or other types that withdraw. And they really don't place that. They usually just say, this is the way I know how to work from. And what we've theorized together is that they're basically saying, I don't have access to how it happened, but I do know this, that it hasn't been helpful for my survival in life for me to access those emotions, so I no longer go there. And that's okay if they're doing good thinking work, because we can't force somebody into feelings. We can't say, oh, you're fives, and you can start feeling everything. We can, yes, they can go do emotionally focused couples therapy, which is a great paradigm if you want to access feelings. But if you're like, hey, I I don't access them, I don't feel comfortable accessing them, and people have all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they have histories in their families where they've seen emotions go into crazy spaces, and they've made a personal vow that they'll never do that. So I'm not going to try to change people where they don't feel broken. But if they do, I think it's really cool to do some work, like I said, EFT, where you're saying, okay, hey, I'm really needing somebody to walk me through this. Because what happens in those moments or with you and your wife as you're dealing with emotions and the advice I gave to the wife stands there trying to sit with it, lean in, trying not to be judgmental, trying to look past the anger and say what's underneath this, then trying to empathize with that and even mirror it. That's exactly what I'm going to do or somebody's going to do in EFT work is say, I'm going to be in this space with you and I'm just going to sit with you in it because when there's that transaction, it's almost like I'm letting them borrow my limbic system and saying, let me show you how to process emotions and that we can do this together in a safe way. And I might lean in and even help a couple who's both angry to get to their primary emotions. And then when they can do that with each other without me, that's the point they exit the work with me or their EFT therapist because they're just able to now do this important work of saying, here's where I don't feel safe with you and here's what I need to feel safe. And I think it all boils down to safety, whatever Enneagram type you are, even if you're male or female, is do I feel safe in my relationship? Because if I don't, you're going to see me withdrawing a lot or being aggressive. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that it's really important. Now we can tell a little bit more about our Enneagram type research findings. And you're not going to be surprised to hear that we are having I don't know if Olivia, you have it in front of you. I have it in front of you. Go ahead and tell me what are the top couple. Oh, man. I was so shocked with this. Okay. So um, first up, we have fives. Yes. Which I feel because I read something that basically said fives are like a more rare Enneagram type. Is that Mm -hmm. true? Well, I think that the research is still preliminary. Right. I really do because the research, I wanted to see if this collaborated with prior research on typing. And the work I found was even saying, we don't know if this is skewed and the research isn't, there's not much on it. So I was like, oh, I'm so bummed to not find more. But somebody listening might even say, hey, I know even more about Enneagram research out there. But as far as I've ever thought, like you said, you don't always hear that fives are the most common type. Yeah, no, I agree. But it does make sense, I think, for a male that fives would maybe be a little bit more 
prevalent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then as for other types, we also have nines and threes came in strong as well as eights. So isn't that's that crazy. exactly <laughs> what we just said? Yeah. They're only given permission to either withdraw or have anger. Which is crazy. And I mean, I'm not trying to label people who are right. threes, eights, <laughs> nines, and fives because you're like, wait a second, they're not all in the anger triad. But I work with people in couples dynamic and the threes are coming off when they're in their unhealth of very harsh mm-hmm. and their anger is able to be seen but remember not their feelings yeah and the eights are not afraid to show their anger but to show vulnerability is an absolute no-no unless they're feeling really safe and then we also of course have our withdrawing nines and our withdrawing fives and we do need to understand that when we withdraw we're not just withdrawing and forgetting life in most cases we're withdrawing with something else whether it be a substance or an addiction to pornography or with we're withdrawing to things that are just really not healthy like gambling and it's taking the place of the emotional healthy outlet and that's what I want you guys to really understand if you're struggling if you're listening as a male or if you know your husband's struggling this is really important work that he will do one day I hope and people take a long time they take a lifetime to get healthy so I'm not trying to rush anybody but I do want you to know that if you want to be able to walk away from some of that stuff Yay, we have Brene Brown out there now doing work to help people. And there's male workshops going on over the countries to help over the countries and country to help men feel a little safer to process. There's therapists doing EFT work and there's people that are coaching like me and other Enneagram coaches. But there's, you know, there's a lot of work that people have to decide to do. So I don't want anyone to rush after this and say it's emergency unless it is. And some of you, frankly, are in an emergency where you're thinking, I'm not going to be with you if you don't do your work. And that's scary because I I feel compassion for both of you because I know how hard it's been for men to feel safe to even process these emotions. Well, and another great thing that sort of is another piece of insight, I guess, if you feel like, I don't really know if I do anything, if I withdraw, if I do this or that, Mm -hmm. definitely check out the Enneagram Institute down uh, towards, I guess, the bottom of the page or the lower half, they have um, a little bit about what each type kind of tends to go towards, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's, um, you know, whatever it's going to be, you know, yeah, which is so helpful because sometimes when you're in it, you don't realize that you're doing something. And then when you see it and they say, oh, this is common for this type, then maybe you can address it or you can at least understand what might be a hindrance for you down the road. Mm-hmm. If no, you do get really so stressed. Much sense. I love that, that you're kind of saying, if you're thinking this is my spouse and they're secretive, what are they doing when they're in unhealth? Because they don't even tell me. You might say, hey, I'm going to check in a little bit more about them to see how are you doing with this. But don't forget, if you come in and you're really accusatory and you're really aggressive, nobody's going to feel safe with you. Nobody's going to open up to you. It's not safe. You're not safe at that moment. You have to go in with grace, with understanding of the human issue of sin. I mean, there's absolutely been a lot of that since the beginning of time. And even if you're not a believer in any kind of faith, you understand that humans don't always do things well or healthily. So you can't just say you were the first one in your family system to ever mess up 
up, you need to say this is probably a long line of people, and especially in this case, males who are not safe to have emotions, and this is the way they've healthily coped. It's not always been super healthy, but it is the way that they've been able to be a husband and a parent, and and those things are, you know, there's some redemption there, and they're doing their work, and we can't make people do work faster than we want, but sometimes in marriage, we do have moments where we say this is our relationship ultimatum because it's gotten so toxic that we have to do something about it and that's okay and I want you females to stand strong there so what's really important is that those that are you know as a woman that if your husband is aggressive or withdrawing those can both be power moves and you can actually say well I'm gonna go like Olivia said to withdrawing too because I don't know what to do and that might be where you need to stay for a while but I want to encourage you to get your self-care and find yourself so that you can come from a stronger position a lot of women will tell me I've got little kids at home I don't feel like I have much standing room to say much and I get that and there are seasons of life where you're kind of just going with the flow because you're in survival mode yourself but when you can get there I do want to encourage you you're going to be an important piece of your male understanding the safety of relating again healthily or more likely in this case for the first time ever he'll be able to relate healthily Another area we see that a lot is in the area of talking about intimacy. I'm hearing from a lot of females that there was a popular movie. I don't know if you remember hearing about it, Olivia, that kind of glamorized. Oh, yes. We we all know there's if if you need a hint, there's also a sequel and it's based on a book. And we won't say the name here because we don't want to encourage it. <laughs> exactly. And I know some of you probably love that series. We're not trying to put you down. We just want to help you understand there are some very basic animalistic human qualities about all of us that we get and that sometimes they come into the bedroom. And sometimes that's fun and people enjoy it and it's titillating. can't believe I used that weird word. <laughs> But anyway, we get it and we want you guys to know we're not shaming anybody for that. But we also want you to know that that's not really your truest intimacy together. So it be careful because that's something I'm really hearing a lot is some of the women I'm seeing are speaking up and saying it and just saying I'm tired of it. I don't like painful intercourse. I don't enjoy being hurt. And some of them aren't speaking up. I'm sure some of them are enjoying it. And some of the men are feeling shamed or just that animal quality come out. And like I said, no shame. And if you guys love that, we're not judging it. But we do want you to know that it can come into the bedroom and it can be a really difficult experience. So when I do hear a woman saying, let me be brave, and maybe I don't feel like telling you, but I do want to show you non-verbally, it's a good place to lead a male to because a lot of times a woman may enjoy it for the moment but later she feels like withdrawing because she's like this really wasn't true intimacy and women have been given more of a chance in culture quite honestly to embrace true intimacy so they have a better sense for it whereas a male says I feel close to you we had fun it may have been a little rough but that's exactly what I like what I'm groomed for and what pornography has taught me women enjoy because on those shows the women are seemingly enjoying it and of course we know that's fake, but it's difficult for males to not have much access to any emotions except for anger and lust and to be able to identify. Well, and that's why pornography has created such a problem and a deep-rooted issue in not only marriages, but culture in general. We're yes. seeing everything over-sexualized. Everything is just becoming about sex and only that. And it's just it's made its way into movies i mean god forbid some of these movies like a child walked in mm -hmm. you know i mean they would probably be traumatized let's be yes. honest oh yeah and I've seen this. i mean how many times does someone sit there and go oh man 
or I guess not someone, but women, do they sit there and go, wow, I hope I'm not expected or held up to this standard because this is unrealistic. And yet it's just when you when you see something over and over and over, it becomes normal to you. And so when it's not happening for you, you go, oh, well, what's wrong with this person? And there's no correlation between reality and fantasy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that is another big issue. Right. And as you remember, the withdrawing types are more prone to going into fantasy. Right. So we hit that, like I said, not just with the four, fives, and nines, but with all of us who have access to those types in any way. And we know as we do tri-types, pretty much we all do. So there's no judgment on those types, except to say, wow, we're seeing a lot of five and nine males and then three and eights. And also where we're seeing the aggression, where we're seeing the withdrawing, we have to be careful because they can withdraw right into that fantasy, into pornography. And I'm seeing the aftermath of it in my office when men are saying I'm having trouble performing or I'm just really desensitized by it. So it takes me a long time to ejaculate. There are so many issues. And I will comfort everybody to say none of these men are saying I expect my wife to be anything like that. In fact, they may say it in terms of, like I said, rough and tough kind of just touching. But as far as their women, they're usually, and this is one of the best parts about my job, very in love with their wives. And they almost unequivocally say, I am next to the most beautiful woman in the world. Krista, can't you see? My wife is the prettiest woman you've ever seen. And it is so cool because I'm like, oh my gosh. And of course, in that moment, she's glowing. And I'm just like, she really is. So they're right. They're absolutely on point for knowing they have everything right there sitting next to them. And I want women to hear that too. That encouraging point that it's not really about that. Your guys are pretty well attracted to you. And I know some of you may say, my husband's got a perfectionistic tendency or he's a three and he loves to show off and he wants me looking the part. And yes, this is true. Sometimes there is a leaning, but overall, by and large, your guys are really overly just in love with you and they just need some help and tools and a safe place to process their emotions. So whether that's with you, that's my hope. Whether they need extra help, that's another great space for them to process. Um, this is the important work for males in our culture to do and it's it's really down there even with the littles because I have a seven-year-old son and he's probably the most sensitive boy I know out of all of his friends but he's still a guy's guy and I can see it already happening where you know he told me the other day somebody wasn't pretty and I was like oh no you know this is really important that I give him some teaching and training on the talk he's hearing because he's already been exposed to kids who know a lot and it's it's happening at these young levels. So don't think if you have littles that they're immune to this. I want you to start young with helping your sons to treat women with respect and honor. I want you to start very young with teaching your sons that they can safely process emotions and marriage research at large is also telling us, and this is a little difficult for me to hear as a mom, that the male is more important to the development of the child. So it's really important that you hang in there, dads, even though you may not know what to do when your son is having emotions, for you to allow him to have them and to be a safe place. And we want every generation to be better than the last. So don't be too discouraged if you don't know exactly what to do. And ask your wife for some tips at night, too, and and lean into her. But women, please don't peck. Please don't overly aggravate. Please try to sandwich your comments of critique in between loving affirmations so that your husband feels really safe out there. And we'll do our best out there in culture, won't we, Olivia? Yes. 
So thanks for hanging in on this huge topic. I so look forward to processing women in the Enneagram with you guys. And thank you for all your help with our research. You guys are amazing. We'll see you next time. Bye.